The media and entertainment production industry has gone through significant changes in the last 12 months and much of the new workflow and working practice and technology that has been introduced in that period is likely to continue well into the future. Some of us may have introduced some knee-jerk reaction solutions, kept us productive when we couldn't visit our places of work, while some systems integrators and forward-thinking manufacturers accelerated their technology and workflows to make a lot of this more permanent. With us today is a company at the heart of the supply chain, JJ from HHB. Welcome to the show. Hi, guys. So you must have seen quite a few changes in how your customers have been working over the last 12 months. Maybe let's start with uh, chatting about those. Yeah, um, I mean, the uh, the first phase of uh, everything kicking off really was um, a scramble to, uh, to get people able to deliver content. Um, data security was was huge in you know can we take this stuff off site and work from home um, and then came all the uh, internet issues where people found they uh, just didn't have the bandwidth to um, push the deliverables back into the uh, into the facilities so um, lots of workarounds lots of um, lots of scrambling around but we made it so how, how how's, have you how have you guys sort of stepped up how have you, you you helped out things like i'm just imagining from an hhb point of perspective a lot of your customers are going to be trying to conduct voiceovers remotely for example probably quite challenging yeah it's um it's hard to get an acoustically perfect environment um particularly at home um so yeah. a lot of it was logistics physically getting um kit that that people would require um out to various locations um that's mm. Uh, voiceovers requiring mics, headphones, preamps, and potentially even uh, a laptop or, or Mac Mini or something too, um, to be remotely driven by the the talent who may still be in the yeah, studio yeah. or may also themselves be be working from home. Um, there was all sorts of shortages and and real stock demands for um, you know higher quality mics, not just for doing the you know Zooms and Teams meetings and things like that, but um, cool. actually you know running proper VO for, for film and TV and ADR. So I guess there must have been quite a few technical challenges with the people installing this kit as well. I mean, many of them might have been used to having an engineer on site to do it for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there were ways that people mitigated this. Some people had, um, you know, almost a Peli case that was just a go bag. You could drop it off. It was a clear set of instructions, plug cable A into port B and and turn it on and then tell us what what it you know tell us when you're ready and we can team viewer into it and, and pretty much drive it all remotely so for the for the talent it was very much like the experience didn't change too much um you know the engineer was doing most of the work um but even just silly things like having to um pack it all down and then get it collected in order to be able to sanitize it and then get it out to the next um next place it's um hard to gauge um quite how much demand there was going to be or, or how quickly you had to turn things around. So have, have you found, have you found there's anything that uh, any of your clients have sort of requested any challenges that they, that, 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 that HHB have come across that they, you can't do from home? Is there anything we, that people can't do? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, we've managed remote VO, we've managed remote review with various products like Source Connect or Clearview Flex, depending on the requirement for, for quality mm. or, or latency. Um, Doing Dolby Atmos has been a real challenge because um, 
you know, you're talking about having somewhere in the region of 12 or more speakers, um, many of which are overhead and, and situated around the room. And the logistics of <laughs> doing that versus stereo or 5.1 is um, clearly a little trickier. Um, that said, um, you know, we, we do have clients that have managed it. What, so people have actually built a Dolby Atmos studio at home? Yeah. Um, so, you know, the vast majority of people were still having to go into the studios and do that or, you know, tweak the deliverable cool. aspect with the supplier, uh, with the um, content providers to, to say, actually, can we just do a 5.1? But then we do have a handful of clients who either already had Dolby Atmos um, installed in a, in a home studio, in a garage, or were already partway to planning that and uh, therefore managed to, um, to pull that off and, and be able to start delivering content. Is that, is that quite an involved sort of, uh, well, okay, let's rephrase that question. What's involved in building a Dolby Atmos studio at home? I mean, is it, it sounds, sounds a bit, sounds very costly. It's, um, it sounds more daunting than it, than it actually is. Um, mostly cool. it's about getting those overhead speakers in and, and having the software, yeah. um, the software to okay. get started really isn't that expensive, but, um, planning speaker positions is something that, um, you know, it's easier if you're building a new space and allowing for Dolby Atmos than it is retrofitting Dolby Atmos into an existing space because we always have windows and doors and light switches and sockets and, yeah. and things that mean a speaker can't go exactly where you need it to be. That's great. So for those people watching that may may not be fully um, up to speed on what a, a Dolby Atmos studio can really offer, can you give us a quick rundown on it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, Dolby Atmos is moving away from just a channel-based format. It's not mono to stereo to 5.1 to 7.1. Um, it's taking things away from channels and into object-based. So you're mixing audio within a virtual 3D space, um, which means you can then start to pan things, not just around and behind, but actually overhead. Um, and the tools that Dolby have created for that are, are very accessible. Um, and then you can render that down to headphones and do it binaurally, but equally you can play it back in a, in a larger environment or, or a big theatre where you've got um, up to 64 speaker channels. And people investing so this in this technology, what are the major gains they can expect to see in what they're going to produce going forwards? Um, the content when done right is just so much more immersive. Um, you know, sound is, is kind of half the work. Um, picture without sound doesn't work um, so the the immersion that you get from that um, is amazing and it and it does scale really well you've got a lot of people listening to content on headphones on earbuds uh, on on mobile devices um, and the uptake of that has has been huge and isn't gonna gonna stop I don't think by any stretch um, so the binaural mix or the the down mixes that you get from it um, really put the you know the the media watcher right into into that space yeah so if i'm designing my own audio at the moment um how complicated is the transition is it is, is it a complicated transition to get into doing an atmos mix if i'm creating some digital content you know sci-fi stuff or you know gaming um how, how's you know what's the transition like what's the learning curve like Learning curve in gaming is really easy because everyone's already dealing with objects. Um, you yeah. know, whether that's a character, a, a movement, an explosion over there um, that 
that is a visual explosion that thing is an object that exists in a coordinate so they're very much used to an xyz coordinate locate locating something visually and, and the sound just goes with that um with yeah. uh with sort of post-production audio we're already dealing with many hundreds of tracks in in uh, in your average mix mm. um that's not to say they're all playing at once it's checkerboarded there's lots of elements um combination of vo and adr and foley and sound effects um it's just that now rather than mixing them to a fixed set of output channels say six channels for your 5.1 um they can all coexist individually just in this virtual 3d space um and then right. it can be rendered to the format for the consumer so whether that's headphones whether that's down to a 5.1 at home whether that's a dolby atmos soundbar that uses clever technologies to bounce the sound off your ceiling off your side walls to give that feeling of there being yeah. sound coming from all around you but actually it's just from the sound bar so what do you think the general legacy of all this work is going to be i mean are we going to see these trends continuing uh, continuing into the future and i mean people have learned a lot of um, tricks and ways to use the technology as well how do you see this going in the future I think it absolutely has to sustain some of it because um, people have seen that it's, it's proven to work and um, the quality has been maintained throughout. Um, it's just been achieved in a slightly mm. different way. Um, you know, there's always going to be a time where hearing a, a big mix in a, in a theatrical space or in a large home end space um, and being able to review it with a number of people directly in the room is that there's nothing that's quite going to beat that. But I can't see everyone continuing to do long commutes for um, for some of the earlier stages in the post-production process. Um, so Absolutely, I think yeah. a lot of these tools are here to stay. Yeah, four days four days doing stuff at home. Um, you know, doing the early stages. You do it in five one, and then finish and review multi uh, uh, you know, multiple episodes for argument's sake, or you know, bigger bits one day a week in in in, in the big mm. facility in town. Yeah, I can see that. Not everyone's maintained. Yeah. Um, capacity you know some people have reduced amount of floors in their building or, or amount of buildings they have um because you know longer term i think they can they can see that now they've got the technology in place to enable remote offline remote audio track play and and that um mm. you know you're still meeting the mpaa requirements and um in terms of sort of data security and, and media movement um i think now that those hurdles have been bridged it's it's time to continue working that way What's the cool. um, what's the biggest challenge you've had over the last twelve months? I think the the most challenging but rewarding one was um, we did a, a Dolby Atmos music studio um, where the entire conversation, start to finish, um, was done remotely. Um, it was not until we were physically on site doing the install that we actually met our client in three D. <laughs> Amazing, isn't it? Uh, you know, look, we've learned how to do a lot of these things. So let's, you know, let's hopefully take positives away from it all. Uh, yeah, fantastic. Thank you very much, uh, JJ, for coming in. Great to catch up. And, uh, of course, thanks to Media Proxy for their support of Kit Plus TV. And you can find out more about them at MediaProxy.com. Finally, don't forget, if you want to listen to Kit Plus TV on the move, then check out the Kit Plus podcast with a massive back catalogue of shows now available. See you next time.